Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to The Carter Report. Our topic is the inside story. We've had the privilege of traveling the world preaching the gospel. We've seen hundreds of thousands of people steeped in darkness, superstition, heathenism, come to the knowledge of Christ, come to the knowledge of the light. We've got two team members here with us today, Susan Pirino and Alan DeLeon. They've got some tremendous stories, hot from the heart of God to share with you today. Welcome, my friend, to the Carter Report. Hi, friend. I'm John Carter. Welcome today to The Carter Report. Two special guests are with me today here in The Carter Report studio. Susan Pirino. Welcome today, Susan. Thank you, Pastor Carter. Alan DeLeon. Welcome today, Alan. Thank you so much, Pastor Carter. You're two super team members, and we love you to death, and you've made a great contribution to the cause of God. You've traveled with me now overseas. Alan, recently you went down to where? El Salvador. Uh, we were setting up in the stadium, the Cuscaclan Stadium. This yeah. is the largest uh, venue that they do have available in El Salvador. Did you know it's the largest one in Inter-America? Uh, yes, as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking here about a big stadium. And of course, Susan, uh, we only had a few people come. <laughs> we had a packed house, praise God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful to see. Bigger than the, uh, than the crowds often for football matches. That's correct. Yes. And, you know, I, at the same time, they were having some big concert uh, across the nation. So, but it I never knew this. It didn't seem to affect us at all because no. the, we were to capacity. So, uh, Why did people come in El Salvador, Alan, to the biggest football stadium in Central America 
What was the pulling power? Tell me, please. Oh, I definitely feel like it was the Holy Spirit at work. Um, just through all of the small sponsored uh, Carter Report campaigns that were uh, that took place throughout the country in the months before, uh, the anticipation was building and the venue itself just drew all of these people here. Um, but the organization of all the members there, the local churches, all the pastors as well, uh, they did a tremendous job just to drag all of the people, not necessarily drag, but they enticed them to come because the Holy Spirit really was working in yeah, all of these areas. Yeah, they, they were just breaking their necks to get in, these people. Right. Yes. You know, they, they wanted to be there because this was something. Uh, Susan, what impressed you the most? You were there. Yes. Uh, with your that, husband, Javier. Yes, we were there, and we were, we were able to meet with a lot of the local people. We were able to talk to them. We were able to uh, mix a bit, as you might think because before we can't because we, there was language barriers mm -hmm. but this time we were able to meet and people were just telling us that they were so excited because they never realized that the 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 gospel or a message of Christ would attract so many people that this stadium would be full and uh, usually the stadium a lot of people didn't have an opportunity to go there they couldn't afford to mm. enter the stadium mm. so now tell me about the vice president who came the vice president, the young lady, I don't know, were you able to see her? Very charming. Yes, very. she had some of her family. Yes. And she came, and she was up in the special boxes that they have, uh, private boxes. And she was up there, and she uh, just was eating up everything that she was hearing about the gospel and the Bible. Well, I met her party. Mm -hmm. and that included the mayor of uh, San Salvador. Correct. And she was the uh, person who'd served the country as the vice president for a number of years. She said this, I want to thank you and your team for coming because these messages are just what our nation needs at this time. And it's what's needed around the world at this time. Yeah, she said, we need to hear the gospel. Think of the suffering, my mm. friends, mm. that this country has gone through. You know, the tens of thousands of people who've been murdered. Right. Mm -hmm. Think of the gangs. And then think of the natural disasters, the, the earthquakes. Oh, and, right. Yes. And the terrible famines. Even volcanoes. And the volcanoes. There was a lot of negativity surrounding the area at that time. And I believe that we were able to go and provide relief and much needed uh, love to the people. Alan, when we drove around the city, though, did you see people with guns? Yes. Uh, it, a lot of guns? There was definitely a lot of people with a lot of guns. guns. That's right. Yes, very big guns. <laughs> Everywhere you went. Yes, uh, it did seem like that. Um, a lot of people had some type of firearm with them. Uh, obviously, the security team that we had with us also. Um, but there was never really a sense that we were going to be attacked. Uh, we never felt unsafe. And we just felt this calming sense that we could go and get the work done and not feel nervous at all. Right. And, and what was amazing, in the meeting, it seemed so peaceful. Right. You know, I mean, I'd walk out there every night, a huge crowd of people, sometimes walk out in pitch blackness with spotlights. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was in the safest place in the world. That's right. You know why? Because the Lord had his hands over you. God wanted us to be there. That's right. And none of us were in a place where we were afraid for one moment. Yeah. I mean, where do you go in a stadium where there's 55, 60,000 people yes. and there's not some kind of problem, you know, exactly. where there's fighting breaking out or anything? And we never had any sort of uh, news of any problems within the stadium. The Bible tells us this, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel is the power of God. Mm. And if you have the gospel in your heart, 
you got the power of God and you don't have to be afraid. That's because right. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. That's correct. Now, we've specialized in going to dangerous places. We sure have. <laughs> uh, Susan, you didn't go that time, Alan, because you've only just been with us for a short time. Yes. Tell me about PNG and Port Moresby. Yeah, I wish Alan would have been able to be with us then because mm -hmm. that was a different experience in terms of uh, the, the people. And uh, as you said, I think it's, it's listed as one of the most dangerous places in the world. It's supposed to be the most dangerous city. Right. Port and, Moresby. Uh, but, you know, once again, I never felt um, afraid. I never felt uh, that I needed to be worried about my safety. Uh, there always seemed to be a sense of, of calm and just uh, there was nothing to be worried about while you were in the stadium. Now, some nights, and as we got towards the close of the meetings, how many people were sitting out there in the stadium? Goodness, uh, I think we had over 150,000 people. And you're right. And have you heard that there were other... Other, other venues. Uh, yes. I think there were two <laughs> other venues outside of the stadium itself. Yes. Because obviously we couldn't see it. It's kind of far away. But there were two separate areas where the people were also congregating because they could hear the message from there. It's amazing. And they said a lot of these groups were a lot of the gangs and the, mm. and the, uh, the different gangs and a lot of different groups and gangs in PNG. And so the gangs kind of were in their area together, but they were all listening to the gospel, which was pretty amazing if you think about it. Alan, today you're going to discover this, that some of the biggest opposition we get to this work is not out there in the wicked bad world, mm. it's inside the church. Mm -hmm. And people come to me, some of my peers come to me and they say, uh, John, don't you realize that this is out of date? We don't do it anymore. I have a message for them. Listen, my friend, the church in the Western world, the best church growth experts say is a dying church. Mm -hmm. And you know why they don't do it? Because it's a lot of hard work. It's terrible lot of hard work. And it's it costs hard. a lot of money. <clears throat> right. Exactly. But we do it, and, and I will tell the people out there who are watching the television program, I'll tell you why we do it. We do it because the Bible commands it. That's right. You say, no, 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 you got it wrong. The Bible doesn't command it. Jesus said something like this, go into all the world That's and right. uh, do this and do that. He said, preach. What did he say, Susie? He said, go into all the world and preach the everlasting gospel. Yes. And so what does that mean? Does that mean we stay home and we just go to church and talk to each other? No, it says go out. So it means sometimes you got to leave your comfort zone. And we all have that responsibility as Christians to be able to do that uh, to any capacity that That's right. we have. Uh, Susie, tell the people about the night of the white dove because the white dove came on, I'm told, on three occasions. Correct. And a person who was up there sent me a a little video that he took with his iPhone. Yeah, that was amazing. Tell us about that. Well, he wrote in just recently, actually. Yes, he did. And said that he would come and he had his iPhone on because he wanted to record the music. So it was going on. He just left it on. And unbeknownst to him, it was on when he heard the crowd sort of roar because when it flew over the stadium, the crowd sort of roared. And he actually captured it on his phone. And he sent us the uh, link to the little video that he actually recorded of the dove, which was pretty amazing. Did you know the dove came at the time of the baptism out in the ocean 
when thousands of people were baptized out in the ocean. It came on two different nights to the meetings. Correct. Alan, the amazing thing is this. Listen to this. All of the locals say they had never seen that white dove before in the history of PNG. Which made it all the more impressive that it was there. They believed mm -hmm. that this was a visitation of God to tell them that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it was an impressive email even to read. I remember receiving that and mm -hmm. going through all the information, uh, clicking on the link and watching the video for myself. It was just amazing to see that that one person who decided to write to us that information uh, actually had all the, the video and you could see it plain and clear. Uh, and I just had to bring it to you. It was actually really exciting to see. So we believe it's in our souls that we are living in the day of God's power. Mm, definitely. We believe that the power of the gospel is unequal in the world. The problem is we hold on to it ourselves and we don't let it go into the world. And that's right. But when the gospel is preached with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the white dove comes. Mm. And then that, that's a powerful thing to know that, you know, here God is, uh, you know, showing us and, and, and his power and saying, you know, here I am. You've, you've stepped out, you've gone, you've done what I've asked you to do, and now I'll show you that I'm there with you. And that's what the, the dove showed to us, and he was there. You're watching The Carter Report. I'm John Carter. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment with other stories from the inside. God has his time and his place for everything. And the time and the place now is Latin America, including Cuba. Time Magazine talks about the Second Protestant Reformation and describes how hundreds of thousands, even millions of Latinos are coming to the gospel of Christ. I'm not an armchair theologian. I'm speaking according to experience. I've seen it with my own eyes. Recently, we went down to El Salvador. There I spoke in the largest football stadium in Central America with the biggest crowd that that football stadium had ever, ever seen. They came not to see a football match, but to hear about the blood of Christ. Millions are coming to a knowledge of God in Latin America. Doors are opening in Cuba. Who knows, we may be going to Cuba soon. As the doors open, by the grace of God, we are going to step through those doors. And we want you to step through those doors with us and be part of our team for such a time as this. Please write to me, friend. Don't put it off. Write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal, New South Wales. Be part of the Second Reformation. Join us and see the miracles of God. Amen. You're watching The Carter Report. I'm John Carter. Welcome back to this great program, The Inside Story. Susie. Yes. Some people think we're sort of crazy. 
because we do evangelism. Uh, Alan, you're a new member of the team. You've been with us to El Salvador. We hope that soon we'll be going to where? Cuba. Cuba. Cuba, yes. Hear that, my friend? Cuba. We've got our eyes on Cuba. Cuba is opening up. We like going to new places. That's right. And tough places. That's right, and that would be tough. Would be Don't you think? Oh, it's going to be amazing <laughs> going to Cuba. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. We're going to see the power of God in Cuba. Oh, praise uh, God. I feel like the people are ready. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Susie, why do you do this work? Why do I do it? Yeah, because people say, why do evangelism? Nobody does evangelism anymore. People write to me, why do evangelism? Why do you do it? Because I love the Lord and I've seen what he can do in my life personally. And I would love to see that give that opportunity to everybody out there. Now, here's a tough one. What's the biblical basis for public evangelism? Well, it's God's Word. It's the Great Commission. You know, in Matthew, I think it's 28, where he says, uh -huh. go into all the world and preach. I mean, it's pretty plain, isn't it? Preach. He doesn't say go into the world and make friends or go into the world and, you know, share, the, share uh, something. But he says preach. And mm -hmm. when you preach, what does that do? It allows God's word to be spread among his people. And it's not a responsibility that falls on a select few, but everyone. Do you believe, Alan, that there is a biblical theological basis for public and private evangelism? Oh, definitely. Uh, it allows your life to be influenced by God in a very serious and very personal way. And in turn, that allows you to affect others for God's greater purpose. And uh, it allows you to be a light. Uh, a beacon of reflecting Jesus's personality and in, in all things that you do and it allows you to affect others and I believe that's just an amazing thing to experience. Alan and Susan, let me share with you a little heresy. It's a heresy in the eyes of the unbelieving. Not only the unbelieving but sincere good people who do not really understand the truth of the Bible. The Bible teaches that without Christ, we're lost. That's right. I believe that with all my heart. You believe that? Yes, indeed. Why would you believe such a heresy? Because I hear some preachers who tell me, all you've got to do is be sincere. Well, if that were the case, then why would we bother to preach the gospel? If we're just good people and just oh, go Well, around that's what being... they say. They say there's, there's no need to preach the gospel. Then there was no need for Jesus to die on the cross, was there? Can you think of any text in the Bible that tells me that we're lost without Christ, Jesus Christ? There is a text that says that exactly. We are lost without Christ. I can't think You're of the particular... You're of Ephesians 2. Yes. I think. It, it, says, it says that pretty much straightforward. It says... We are... Without is, hope and without God in the world. That's right. That's Ephesians 2. And isn't that, that's as plain as can be, without hope and without God in the world. That's Ephesians 2. Did you hear that, friend? That's Ephesians 2. You may not get that in the church manual, but you'll get it in the Bible. I think the church manual would support it too. Ephesians 2 says that people without Christ are without God and without hope in the world. Mm. And that is why we go into all the world to preach the gospel. Don't believe the heresy that every person is saved without Christ. No. Can, can you think of what Jesus said, Alan? Now, you know, I'm putting you folks on the spot. Uh, well, I would say it's to go out into the world and preach, preach his gospel. 
And that's just the Great Commission, as you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that all of us have the ability to do. Uh, there are only select people that us as Christians have the ability to reach through our personal interactions with them, through relationships. And it's our responsibility to teach as many people as possible about the love of God. And it's not so much to advance, but it's to help and improve the lives of others that we come across. You know, Jesus said, these are his words, Jesus said, I am the way, the I am the truth, I am the life. Not the religion of some other person, not some other prophet. Mm -hmm. No, Jesus is the way, the truth. And the life. And the life. Mm -hmm. That's the end of case. Can I tell you a little story? Mm -hmm. I went out to Australia some time ago, back to my homeland. I was picked up at the airport by a taxi driver who started to tell me the good news about the Islamic faith. Mm. I got it all the way to my hotel. He did it engagingly, lovingly. He said, I want to see you in the kingdom of God. He said, I believe in one God and Muhammad is his prophet. Mm. Then he gave me CDs, DVDs. He hugged me. Wow. I never met a single Christian in Australia who tried to win me to Christ. That's wow. an unfortunate. And that is why the Muslim faith is roaring ahead and the Christian church, my friend, in the Western world is marching backwards. And that is why there needs to be a change in our thinking. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yes. Don't you think? Right. He obviously had a passion, didn't he? Yeah, he had a passion because he believed that he, he was on to something. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Susie and Alan, you both went to El Salvador. Yes. Mm -hmm. Alan, you've just joined our team. You're going to go to other places. We hope Cuba. Yeah, certainly. And the, we're excited and we're really hoping that God opens the doors for us to go there. But think of the toughness of the place we went to, the land of more than a billion souls mm. and, and 100 million gods. India. India. What happened in India? That was a different place altogether. I mean, talk about lots of gods and the worship of many, many gods and, boy, confusion and just people... That, and people are looking to worship something. And, you know, when you're presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, then there's no need for other gods. You have the only God you need. And we saw the impact that uh, this ministry, that the Carter Report made in India in sharing the gospel and thousands upon thousands coming night after night. And once again, we heard it's not going to work here and people won't no, come. No, impossible. <laughs> Can't be done. Won't yeah. be done. No one's going to come. No, no, no. Yeah. And we, mm. we saw the opposite. We've seen that every single time. So we know that God has his hand upon the work that we're doing here. A tough question towards you, Alan, now. These campaigns cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. People say that's too much. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible thing to say. Well, definitely. How is. much is a soul worth? But who pays the bills for these campaigns? El Salvador, India, where David goes to work. David has a passion for India. Mm -hmm. Papua New Guinea, the Solomon, who pays the bills? Well, we do. Um, being able to work here and see firsthand everything that moves in and out of this ministry, uh, you'd be surprised to witness all of the money that we do have to spend on these types of things. Uh, a lot of people seem to see the, the final product of what we do, and they think it just kind of all comes together magically. Uh, but there is a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of money that goes into putting all of this together and having it done professionally, which is very important. And uh, I believe that that all culminates into winning souls for Christ. Now, Alan and Susan, mm -hmm. when you went to El Salvador, 
And Susan, when you went to Russia and India and David was in charge of the preparation, preparing for the meetings, is that a big deal or is it easy? Tell me about that. It's a lot of work that goes unseen. Uh, you arrive and you expect a certain amount of work to be done uh, and you expect your progress to be smooth or you're hoping it's smooth. Uh, but there are many challenges and a lot of things that you can't prepare for. What would you compare it unto? Uh, any big rock concert, any big stadium show, anything that involves a lot of moving pieces, because uh, that's exactly what happens. Now, more people come to these campaigns than go to a general conference. Yes, and mm -hmm. I mean, there's uh, Many, many times. And there's thousands of people there, and you want to make sure that the program is delivered in a way that attracts them and is, engages them as well. And uh, how many people often at the meetings, Susan? Oh, in El Salvador, we had, every night it was packed. So, and every place we've been no, to. Now, we're talking about tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. Exactly. At a tremendous uh, job that my team does with local people, uh, building a huge stage. Building the stage, the sound, everything. The a entire, PA. entire mm -hmm. setup. And normally we have three days to do this in. So you're looking at a huge setup, which is, means round-the-clock working for teams of people to be able to have this done in a timely manner. Why do people do this? And why do people support us? And why do they send offerings? Why do people do this? Because they see the difference that we're making. And they can I see think. it, yeah. They can see in the work that we're doing that we're affecting lives. And if it wasn't productive, I believe that the stadiums wouldn't be as full as they were. Um, they're packed to the rafters with people who are just hungry to hear the gospel. And they're seeing souls saved. And we've seen it in Australia mm -hmm. at the Opera House the Dallas Brooks. We've seen it downtown at the Shrine. We've seen it in Africa. We've seen it in India. We've seen it in Russia and Ukraine and the Isles of the Sea. So nobody tell me it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, it's because you and I don't work. But it's time for us to work. That's right. We have a big job to do still. And God is opening the doors for us. And we're praying now that he's opened the doors for us to go to Cuba. Time is running out. Tell me about Cuba first. Well, Cuba, as you know, has been closed, and uh, mm. campaigns have not, have not existed there. I so preached there, though. You preached at a church, uh -huh. but this time we hope to go to a public venue. Yes. And open to the general public. Yes. And that, I think, would have such a dramatic impact on the, mm. on the population there. It would be incredible. All the people are there waiting, and uh, I believe that we can have a tremendous effect just because of the isolation that they've experienced okay. throughout so many years. I've got to wind this up. Tell me quickly, Alan, are you... Pleased, are you glad that you're a part of an organization that believes in evangelism? Tremendously. I believe that it affects my life personally and it, by allowing me to affect others. And it's a great blessing. I'm just so thankful to be able to do that. Susan, you've been with me now for 22 years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As I said, I didn't know you 22 years. <laughs> but has it been a blessing to you? The biggest blessing in my life. And God has turned my life around through this ministry. And I'm eternally grateful. And I pray that we can give that opportunity to many others. Thank you. You've been two super, really good guests. And I want to thank you for being a part of our program today. You've been watching The Carter Report with Susan, Pirino, Alan, DeLeon. We believe in Christ. We believe in the preaching of the gospel. We believe in the word of God. This is in our souls. And we ask you, in the name of Jesus, support the preaching of Christ. This is not a secondary work. This is the most important work in all the world. Stand with us. Write to me, please. John Carter, Post Office Box 1900.
Thousand Oaks, California. In Australia, write to me, Terrigal. You can contact us online. But remember that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Believe it. It is the word of God. God bless you.